come again? Much as women's breasts have fascinated evolution-minded theorists, the female orgasm has confounded them. Like breasts, female orgasm is a major head-scratcher for mainstream narratives of human sexual evolution. It's not necessary for conception, so why should it exist at all? For a long time, scientists claimed that women were the only female animals to experience orgasm. But once female biologists and primatologists arrived on the scene, it became obvious that many female primates were having orgasms. The underlying motivation for claiming that female orgasm was unique to human beings probably lay in the role it played in the standard narrative. According to this view, orgasm evolved in the human female to facilitate and sustain the long-term pair bond at the heart of the nuclear family. Once you've swallowed that story, it becomes problematic to admit that the females of other primate species are orgasmic too. Your problem gets worse if the most orgasmic species happen to be the most promiscuous as well, which appears to be the case. As Alan Dixon writes, this monogamy maintenance explanation for female orgasm, quote, seems far-fetched after all. He writes, females of other species, primate species, and particularly those with multi-male, multi-female, or what we call promiscuous, mating systems such as macaques and chimpanzees, exhibit orgasmic responses in the absence of such bonding or the formation of stable family units. On the other hand, Dixon goes on to note, gibbons, which are primarily monogamous, do not exhibit obvious signs of female orgasm. Unquote. Although Dixon classifies humans as mildly polygynous in his survey of primate sexuality, he seems to have doubts, as when he writes, quote, one might argue that the female orgasm is rewarding, increases her willingness to copulate with a variety of males rather than one partner, and thus promotes sperm competition. Unquote. Donald Simons and others have argued that, quote, orgasm is most parsimoniously, parsimoniously interpreted as a potential all female mammals possess. Unquote. What helps realize this quote-unquote potential in some human societies, argues Simmons, are quote, techniques of foreplay and intercourse that provide sufficiently intense and uninterrupted stimulation for females to orgasm. Unquote. In other words, Simons thinks women have more orgasms than mares simply because men are better lovers than stallions. Stomp your foot three times if you believe this. In support of this theory, Simons cites studies like Kinsey's 
showing that fewer than half of women questioned Americans in the 1950s experienced orgasm at least 9 out of 10 times they had intercourse. Whereas in other societies, he refers to Mangaya in the South Pacific, elaborate and extended sexual play result in nearly universal orgasm for women. Quote, orgasm, Simons concludes, never is considered to be a spontaneous and inevitable occurrence for females as it always is for males. Unquote. For Simons, Stephen J. Gould, Elizabeth Lloyd, and others, some women have orgasms, sometimes, because all men do every time. For them, the female orgasm is the equivalent of male nipples, a structural echo without function in one sex of a trait vital in the other. Given all the energy required to get there, it's surprising that the female reproductive tract is not a particularly welcoming place for sperm cells. Researchers Robin Baker and Mark Bellis found that approximately 35% of the sperm are ejected within half an hour of intercourse, and those that remain are anything but home-free. The female's body perceives sperm as antigens, foreign bodies, that are promptly attacked by sp anti-sperm leukocytes, which outnumber sperm 100 to 1. Only 1 in 14 million ejaculated human sperm even re reach the oviduct. In addition to the obstacles imposed by the female's body, even those lucky few sperm are going to run into competition from other males, at least if our model of human sexuality has any validity. But while presenting obstacles to most sperm, the woman's body can assist others. There is striking evidence that the female reproductive system is capable of making subtle judgments based upon the chemical signature of different men's sperm cells. These assessments may go well beyond general health to the subtleties of immunological compatibility. The genetic compatibility of different men with a given woman means that sperm quality is a relative characteristic. Thus, as Anne Pusey explains, quote, females may benefit from sampling many males and different females will not necessarily benefit from mating with the same high-quality male." Unquote. This is a crucially important point. Not every quote-unquote high-quality male would be a good match for any specific woman, woman, even on a purely biological level, because of the complexities of how the two sets of parental DNA interact in fertilization. A man who appears to be of superior mate value, square jaw, symmetrical body, good job, firm handshake, platinum Amex card, may in fact be a poor genetic match for a particular woman. So a woman, and ultimately her child, may benefit by sampling many males, 
and letting her body decide whose sperm fertilizes her. Her body, in other words, might be better informed than her conscious mind. So, in terms of reproduction, the fitness, quote-unquote, of our prehistoric male ancestors was not decided on the external social world. Where conventional theorists tell us men competed for mates in struggles for status and material wealth, rather, paternity was determined in the inner world of the female reproductive tract, where every woman is equipped with mechanisms for choosing among potential fathers at a cellular level. Remember, this next time you read something like, quote, the predisposition for influence, substance, and prestige are all merely expressions of a male positioning himself to acquire women with whom to mate, unquote. Or, quote, mate competition will involve contests over resources. Men's wives will need to raise children, unquote. This may well be the situation for most people today, but our bodies suggest our ancestors faced an entirely different scenario.